0: Awareness, the final frontier. These are the explorations of Jonathan Robinson and Brian Tom O'Connor. Their continuing mission, to discover fresh new paths to the mystery within, to seek out new joys and new methods of awakening, to boldly go into the heart of expanded consciousness. This is Awareness Explorers.
1: Welcome back, Awareness Explorers! Great to have you with us and be part of our exploration family. I'm Jonathan Robinson. I'm here with my good friend, Cosmic Comrade, and and co-host Brian Tom O'Connor. Good to see you, Brian. Yeah, you know, I just want to tell people who might be new to Awareness Explorers that we have a bunch of episodes at awarenessexplorers.com and on YouTube and There you'll find also, in the navigation bar, meditations. We often do uh, guided meditations at the end of our podcast to help you to awaken. And we have over 30 of them for free. And I will say, uh, on the risk of sounding non-humble, that I think those meditations are really good. Uh, What do you think, Brian? (laughs) Yeah, I think
0: they're good, too. I, I, I like them. Uh, I enjoy listening to them after we've done them, and uh, I think our listeners will get a lot out of them. I also think it's great that it's that we've separated them out so you don't have to listen to the entire podcast if you want to just listen to the meditation. But I urge you not to skip the podcast either.
1: Yeah, I hear those are good too, and uh, I hear that from a very reliable source in my own head. Actually, that source is not so reliable some of the time, yeah, but... Oh, thanks a lot. (laughs) 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 Anyways, yeah, the voice in the head sometimes can steer you in the wrong direction as well as the right direction. So that's partly what we'll be talking about today and the topic we call, what is working on yourself? You know, we we talk about like it's a very clearly defined thing, but we never actually talk about what that is and how to know if you're really working on yourself, or how to know if you're just playing mind games with yourself that don't go anywhere. So when I, I bring up the idea of what is working on yourself, Brian, what's what, in the ink blot test of uh, your first impression, what, what comes up for you?
0: Well, I think of self-improvement. I think of uh, finding out what's wrong with yourself and trying to fix it. And, um, you know, I'm in a different camp on this i i am in the uh, working on yourself doesn't work camp i i don't i don't value it as much as i value loving yourself and allowing things to be as they are
1: uh-huh you know it's always good to define these things because you can say something like working on yourself or awareness or god and everybody has totally different ideas as to what you're talking about you know That's when right. you say when you say ice cream people kind of have a similar idea what that is. But if you say work on yourself, one person says, oh, that's self-improvement full of crap. Another person thinks of that as spiritual liberation. So I think our first task is to say what we each think, what really good working on yourself might look like, or what might be a indication that you are actually doing something that gets you to a higher state of consciousness. And in fact, that might be a good definition. Something that you're doing that helps you to get to a higher state of consciousness on a more frequent basis.
0: Well, I could see that as a good working definition, but even that definition has its problems because baked into the whole idea is the uh, concept that there's something wrong with the way things are now, and there's something in the future that you're going to attain, some state that's not happening now That's that you may or may not achieve in the future. And for me, that is actually contrary to the way I feel about awareness, which is something that's here now, that's always here, that doesn't go away. And it's simply about noticing it, because we... We fail to notice it when we get wrapped up in our thoughts about the past and our imagination of the future. Of course, noticing awareness is something to do. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, there actually yeah. is something to do. You can practice doing nothing. You can practice looking for awareness and shifting your attention to it.
1: But don't you think that there's also a time and place for doing practices, let's say, that help to lessen the obstructions or lessen the conditioning that might obscure awareness?
0: Yes, I do think that there are practices that you can do. But for me, the practices that are the best are the ones where you are Shifting the direction of your looking as opposed to trying to get rid of your conditioning or change anything.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's why there's really two camps the kind of working on the psychology of a person and uh, all the different ways of doing that and the conditioning of a person in the hopes that that will free up more space for noticing and being awareness. That's one camp. And the other camp is, screw all that. You don't need it. Uh, just uh, notice that you are awareness in different ways and save yourself two or three decades of therapy. Well, I'm in
0: the second camp.
1: I notice that. <laughs> so I will represent the first camp because okay. we need both camps represented here. Sure. And, you know, both camps are really... Important. I've noticed a lot of people get caught up in their trauma. They're, you know, I'm an alcoholic. I was I was uh, sexually abused when I was 17, or whatever their story is. And I'm not belittling that because everybody has been through trauma, and everybody, in some way, is kind of screwed up in the head, in my opinion, including me. So. We all have our histories. The question is, how much do things like therapy or uh, medicine journeys where you take drugs to try to be free of stuff, or shadow work, or heart opening practices, or facing fears, all these different modalities for, quote, working on yourself, how helpful are they? How useful are they? for eventually finding peace and happiness which is really what we want in the end you know right. and and you know I've, i'm a psychotherapist by profession so i've looked at some of the research and it's not great you know people do a lot of therapy and it often does not make them any happier it often does not really do that much so i can't i can't give a wholehearted endorsement yes you should do this and you'll then be a better person. But part of our discussion is, I think, would be served by making the distinction between waking up and growing up. You know, the Ken Wilber distinction. Waking up is just having more moments of realizing that you are awareness, ultimately. But growing up is a different thing how to be a better human being in relationships, how to not be so triggered by different things. And in the growing up field, don't you think that these therapies can be very useful?
0: I do think that they can be useful. However, I believe that the waking up has to precede the growing up. When you go directly to the growing up, you, you often fail. And I'm not talking about practical things like learning how to hold down a job and learning how to pay your bills. But all of the modalities that that you mentioned, except I don't have any experience with um, with the psychedelic drugs or other um, medicinal um, ways of doing it. But the one thing that I think that they have in common, at least when they are successful, is that when you are allowed to have your feelings in a safe place and you are learning the strategies that you have employed to prevent having the feelings. And when you start to let go of those strategies, then these feelings tend to resolve themselves on their own. And then, because, you know, what we resist persists, what we hold on to, especially emotionally, stays and churns inside and is not allowed to flow through. And when we start allowing those to flow through, then, We start to see ways that we can have options that are more effective in our lives.
1: So I hear you say is that the waking up actually can help the growing up process.
0: Absolutely. The waking up can help the growing up process. And as well, you know, I, I really can only speak for myself. I know that there was really a point, you know, I went through a lot of therapy and did a lot of work and there was a point that I came to when I realized, and it was kind of a rebellion in myself, I had constantly been obsessed with all of my flaws and all the things that were wrong with me, and these were actually being a big obstacle in, in my life. And at one point I finally said, my gosh, if I if I spend all my time trying to fix what's wrong with me, I'm not going to have any time or energy left to express what's right about me. So. Mm-hmm. My feeling is not that you find out what's wrong with you and fix it, but maybe you find out what your talents are and what your strengths are and you develop them. I mean, for example, I study singing, and of course, I go to my singing teacher, and if I do something wrong, he's going to let me know what it is. But the reason that I'm doing that is because I have a talent in that area and I want to develop it, not because, oh, I've decided that one of my major flaws is I suck as a singer, and therefore I'm going to improve myself by taking singing lessons.
1: hmm mm-hmm. Yeah, you bring up some good points, and I agree that waking up can help with the growing up process because you know you're now aware, and hopefully that awareness will show you things that are inharmonious automatically. You know, uh, my old teacher Justin used to say if you see that something is dog-do on the street and you call it dog-do and you're just aware that it's dog-do, you don't step in it, you know. You don't have to make an effort not to step in. You just won't because you don't, you know. And awareness can help you to see things more clearly. But I've also noticed a lot of people do what's called spiritual bypassing. You know, they go into a peaceful state within facilitated by increasing awareness. And then they don't deal with their triggers or feelings. And they almost reach an end of a road in terms of growing up. And that can be a problem. What do you think about that?
0: Oh, I absolutely agree that that can happen. And uh, and I think that the reason that it happens is is a basic misunderstanding of what awareness practice is it's as if that peaceful state is the be all and end all that thing that you need to get to when actually we're talking about we're talking about an allowing open field that's there even when things aren't peaceful even when things aren't happy and uh, joyful even when there is anger even when there is obsession with the past even when there is anxiety, there's something there that is totally open to all that anxiety. And the spiritual bypassing is, again, just another form of a strategy to prevent certain feelings. And to me, that's the crux. It's the Mm -hmm. strategies to prevent emotion. It's the strategies to prevent Something bad that you think might happen in the future, or to make something bad that is happening now go away. And that's the problem, not the actual bad things themselves, but the strategies that we employ to make things different from the way they are. And because awareness is the field that's empty and allowing and choiceless, it's not something that's trying to change what is. So when we notice that and then start to identify with that, then that has a kind of a repercussion, a kind of vibration out of that that informs or perfumes our lives.
1: Yeah, well well said. And you can use spiritual strategies, you can use money strategies, you can use psychotherapeutic strategies to avoid the reality in front of you and your feelings. And yeah, that's right. We don't have a term psychological bypassing, but we really should, because I'll I'll see people who will analyze their psychology, and that's a way of really avoiding something as well. Or, you know, I see people do medicine journeys every week, medicine journeys, meaning taking things like ayahuasca or uh, ecstasy or other things, thinking that they are quote, working on themselves. But in a way, that's to sometimes is a way for them to have peak states to avoid boredom. So anything can be used as a strategy to uh, kind of avoid being with what is, and that's the danger. And And it's a big trap. A lot of people, including me, fall into it and um, it's it's something that we have to be aware of on, the, on our on our journey.
0: That's right. It is a big trap, and even allowing things to be as they are can be a trap, because <laughs> a lot of people, maybe unknowingly or innocently, say, "Okay, I'm going to allow this to be here," and then a few minutes later they said, "Oh, wait, it didn't go away." Right. <laughs> Therefore, right. my allowing must not have worked. <laughs> yes. So when you're when you're allowing something to be as it is, in order for it to go away, you're not really allowing. But when you're just totally relaxing all resistance, when you're really letting go of all clutching and you're letting whatever comes, come in one side and flow out the other, then things really do tend to sort of resolve themselves.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Though, you know, getting back to the type of working on yourself that I think can be useful, I'd say that when people do things that they have avoided or are afraid of or haven't done before, I I think of it like we're in a a prison cell in our head. And that it's helpful not just to get out of that prison uh, by being awareness, but it's also helpful to kind of expand the size of the prison cell. Uh, And I see a lot of people who are very wound up and they're, they're in a cell where they can't, you know, it looks like they're tied down to the bed and can barely move. Mm -hmm. And then I see some people who are very psychologically free and peaceful and, and happier because of it. So whether it be doing some form of therapy or medicine journey or facing your fears or, like in my case, I've done a bunch of heart opening practices. Now, heart opening practices aren't awareness, but they really help make my life richer from you know being like in a straight jacket, mental jacket, to somebody who you know loves a lot of people and and gives and receives loves and it feels like a, a much freer space. And and that's part of the growing up process and i think ideally the waking up and growing up modalities can work together like two wings of a plane i've used this analogy before you know you have one wing of a plane and one wing that's broken and that plane goes around in circles and then it crashes and unfortunately the waking up communities and the growing up communities are often like at odds with each other, where they're both like two religions saying I'm the best or I'm the only one. Yes. And and really they're complementary, like two wings of a plane. And, and uh, I think whichever side of the fence that you tend to focus on, it's good to at least have a bunch of experience with the other side so that there is more of a balance. And yet most people don't do that.
0: That's right, and I've always loved that two-wing analogy. Uh, I think it's it's really appropriate and, and, and wise. And in the case of awareness practices, and in particular the more non-dual practice where we see everything as one, when we realize that what's looking out of my eyes is the same as what's looking out of other people's eyes, that has to be brought into the world when you realize that we're the same underneath, that the pure awareness looking out of my eyes is looking out of everyone else's eyes, then we must bring that understanding into the world, into our interactions day to day with other people, which means we have to look at other people and imagine the awareness looking out from their eyes. In other words, we have to really walk in other people's shoes, we have to be able to see and get a sense and a feeling of how other people see and what it feels like to be them. And I think that fosters understanding and love and better relationships. So that's sort of my way of thinking about the two wings is the finding awareness in yourself and then taking that understanding out into the world and interacting with people accordingly.
1: You know, I'm I'm struck by... um I've done a bunch of retreats with people like Ajashanti or other teachers, and they usually have a question and answer period mm-hmm. and I've always been struck that the questions that people ask are almost never about awareness, and they're often like, "Well, my son is having problems at school, and what do I do and I think people are confusing that these awareness teachers. Would necessarily know about that stuff. You know, just because you know about awareness doesn't mean you know how to handle a relationship issue or or how to choose a good career for yourself. So I think by having friends who can tell you what you might want to be working on, because it's hard for us to see it. You know, what what if if I only have a hundred units of energy to quote work on myself spiritually, psychologically, what where do you think I should spend that time and energy? And you know, I was part of a group for 26 years where we told each other that stuff. Now it may have been right, it may have been wrong, but I, I generally found it to be very useful because getting that feedback from people who knew you and cared about you did help point me in directions that were hard for me but ultimately beneficial. And unfortunately, most spiritual seekers don't pursue that information from their friends uh, or family because they don't either have those types of connections or they don't ask those types of questions. I'm wondering what you think of that in terms of a useful practice, getting feedback from people who say, you know, it looks to me like you might, you might benefit from doing X, Y, or Z.
0: Well, it really depends on the person, how close you are, how much you trust them, and how much you feel that your interests are in their heart or your, your overall well-being is in their heart. And I might be perhaps, I probably err in the other direction, Because during my early life, I had very traumatic experiences at school. I despised school. I thought it was um, a place of cruelty and shame and the place where you went to find out what was wrong with you. And basically, I rebelled against that. So I no longer sought opinions about what was wrong with me. I, I only wanted to hear about what was right with me. yeah and i agree with you that that was a one-sided thing that that didn't then develop all sides of me but but when i did rebel against that when i did say hey i'm going to stop trying to fix myself i'm going to totally i give up no more that's it i'm not trying to fix myself anymore that's when oddly enough things started opening up i mentioned singing before i met a singing teacher the single best teacher I ever had in my life and for some reason I went into that and usually when I go into a a situation where there's a teacher and I'm the student I'm defensive I walked into there and I wasn't defensive at all if he told me I was doing something wrong I said okay and then I tried to do it his way so I really think that it's important to have that. But for me, I had to do that rebellion where I stopped trying to fix myself first. And then yeah. magically, I found a situation where I could learn from somebody else.
1: Yeah. And, and you make the, a great point that it's hard to make any rules about this because everybody's coming from a different place and have a next step that might look differently because of their past. So... You know, one person's working on themselves is another person's indulgent hobby.
0: Yes, that's absolutely true. And not only that, there are two different extremes of personality. Like, let's say you take the example I gave of a person who who feels that they're fundamentally flawed. Now, certainly, seeing themselves as pure awareness and allowing themselves to be as they are is very, very helpful. And on the other extreme, you have a narcissist who thinks that, Everybody's wrong and they're great and they're wonderful. And I won't mention any names,
1: but there are people like that in the world. Now, um, unfortunately, you're looking at me while you say that.
0: (laughs) No, I wasn't thinking about you whatsoever. I was thinking about some about famous people. Oh, no, you're a famous person. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) But, but seriously, let's say, let's say if that, that, I mean, I think that awareness practices can benefit the narcissist as well because when you realize that you're the same underneath that awareness is universal awareness, not your awareness that you are not the body and the personality, but you are what's looking at it and what's noticing and that it's the same as everyone else's. Then I think that can also be a really good treatment for narcissism as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things I appreciate about our connection is that we do come from different ends of the spectrum and, uh, I, I tend to have a lot of self-confidence, so being with a teacher who is always pointing out my faults was very useful for me, whereas it probably would have been totally debilitating for you. <laughs> yeah, probably. So part of working on yourself is trying to get an understanding of where you've come from and what you need at this point in your life to perhaps be more balanced and more peaceful, or, or a little bit less crazy.
0: A little bit less crazy, and a little um, double-winged, so you're not flying yes. in circles.
1: Yes, double-winged. That, that's our goal. So that was good. good. Anything else that comes to mind when we talk about, or any conclusions you have when we talk about working on yourself?
0: I do remember... Um, being very influenced by a book by Ariel and Shia Kane called Working on Yourself Doesn't Work. Uh And uh, I really actually liked uh, liked that and what they had to say and uh, their principles. Uh, In fact, anything that you resist persists is their first principle. And their second one is that uh, you can only be exactly as you are in any given moment. And the third one is that anything you allow to be exactly as it is without judging it completes itself. And I found those really, really useful. And yeah. um And, you know, we could probably go into great detail in another episode about about that. But I thought I'd, I'd bring that up as that that was an influence on me many, many years ago.
1: Mm-hmm. The only additional thing I would say before we go into meditation is that I mentioned this before in a previous podcast the idea of doing experiments, short term experiments, to see what works for you. Because sometimes you don't know what will be useful. And whether um, it is an experiment suggested by a teacher or a friend, sometimes I've said, Oh, I don't want to do that. That seems hard. And then I found doing that practice, maybe chanting with a group of people, which struck me as like really kind of gross and disgusting, ended up being incredibly heart-opening for me. Mm. And had I not had this idea that, oh yeah, I'll I'll spend a few hours and try it out just for the hell of it, I would have missed out on one of my favorite things to do now, which is to chant with other people. Mm. So um, this idea of trying stuff that you haven't done before and experimenting to see if something seems useful to you has been a very helpful practice for me. And I see people get in ruts that are comfortable, like they're always doing medicine journeys or they're always doing Vipassana retreats or they're always doing, uh, going to their therapist. And I think branching out because we're always changing Being willing to try new things, to see what seems to have a special oomph for energy at that moment is always a good thing to do while on the spiritual path.
0: Yes, and I love the fact that that you're so open-minded about that and willing to try those things. And I also agree with you about the experimental nature of it. That is very important to me. You try and see what works for yeah. you, and you're the one who can tell. Uh, is your heart open? Do you feel more joy? Are you at peace? Is uh, Are you quieter? Um,
1: and if you're not, try something else. Exactly. So, we'll try something else right now, which is a guided <laughs> meditation by the Master of Guided Meditations. <laughs> Thank you. One, one
0: of one of at least two masters of guided meditations. But this one may be a little bit coming from my camp, which is more of the um, allowing yourself to be the way you are as opposed to trying to fix yourself uh, camp. So with that uh, caveat, uh, here goes. First, as always, if it's safe to do so now, close your eyes, Take an easy, deep breath. Now think of a time when you decided you needed to work on yourself. What was it about yourself that you needed to change? What would you feel if you changed that about yourself? More happiness, contentment, inner peace, joy, approval, love? Now, return from that time when you decided to work on yourself and come into the present moment now right here just as it is notice how your body feels notice any sounds that are appearing without going to memory which is past or imagination which is future ask yourself this right now in this moment is there a problem now let's return to that time when you decided to work on yourself was there a voice telling you that you needed to work on yourself who is that voice telling you that you should be different who is listening to that voice. Can you get a sense that the voice is not the real you? That the real you is the one who's listening? From the point of view of the one who's listening, ask these questions. Why does that voice want you to change? What if that voice simply wanted to protect you from harm or shame or abandonment or criticism? Can you thank that voice for its desire to protect you and see that it comes from love? It simply wants you to be safe. Can you thank that voice for its love and protection? Can you tell that voice that you are safe right now in this moment? Can you give that voice a much-deserved vacation? Can you see that all the voices that judge you and want you to change are appearing in the clear, allowing field of awareness that is your true nature? That clear field of awareness is appearing right now. It's not something you bring about in the future. It's something that's always there, just waiting to be noticed. Can you see that all the things that you thought you'd get from self-improvement are here, right now, in the clear, open, choiceless field of awareness in which all experience appears? All suffering is contained in the memory of the past or in imagination of the future. If you don't go to memory of the past or imagination of the future, can you sense that happiness, contentment, inner peace, approval, love, and joy are here now? without past and without future? Are they here now? Peace, love, joy, contentment, happiness. Without thoughts of past and future, what's left is... Simple awareness, which is loving-allowing itself. And loving-allowing is happiness itself. But it's a happiness that's unrelated to any external circumstance, or attainment, or acquisition. It's pure joy. Can you trust it? Can you allow the eternal present to resolve all difficulties and present solutions for you? Be here. Be now. Be awareness. And now, at your own pace. Take another easy breath. And open your eyes. Hmm. How you feeling, Jonathan? Over well, a little high.
1: <laughs> uh, between your voice and your spontaneous guided meditations, uh, uh, it's always a real pleasure to hear what you come up with. And I like that because it's also, you know, relaxing the parts of ourselves that, that are always pushing us in ways that might not be useful to us and act to obscure the peace that's already there. Right
0: doesn't mean you can't ever do anything to get better at a particular skill. Yeah. But that's different from the idea that you're
1: fundamentally flawed. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. And, um, you know, if you enjoy this stuff, please tell your friends, family, and enemies. Your enemies need it the most. Uh, but probably your family needs a bunch as well. Uh Obviously, everything's free, so uh, it's easy to to spread the word. And feel free to look at our website with uh, the meditations. We do awakening coaching. There's a place where you can learn about that, awareness coaching. And there's a donate button and blah, 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 blah. You want to add some blah, blahs?
0: No, I'm glad that you mentioned all of those, awareness coaching, the meditation. And it's all free up on the website, on YouTube, iTunes, everywhere else, but I'm glad you mentioned the donation button too.
1: Okay. And, and you didn't mention anything about the blah-blahs at the end.
0: Oh, I like the blah-blahs. Okay. Because what is life other than blah-blah-blah-blah-blah?
1: Exactly. <laughs> There's blah-blah <laughs> and awakening. There's two things in life. <laughs> so uh,
0: <laughs> that sort of boils it down really, really, really well.
1: <laughs> That's what that will be my next book, Blah Blah and Awakening. That's right. Anyways, uh, we hope you have a great week. Uh, and, and as always, keep exploring. Keep exploring.
0: Thank you for listening to Awareness Explorers. To learn more, you can check out our website at awarenessexplorers.com. Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Or your favorite podcast app. And we'd love it if you would post a review. And please share our link on Facebook and with family and friends. Because knowing yourself as awareness is the greatest gift you can give yourself or someone you love.